Mmm. Coffee. At night, it's always good for the soul. Daniel Crozier, and I am joined by the amazing James Sabata of the Necronomicon. James, how are you, sir? Doing well. Yourself? Ah, uh, you know, not too bad, not too shabby. Uh, you know, things are starting to warm up here in Colorado. How about you? I'm in Phoenix, and it snowed on the mountains, like it was just where I could see it. And I was like, "No, I'm good. I don't need that." <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so it was. Uh, I think it was 39 this morning, and I talked to my son who lives in Fargo, North Dakota, and he was like, "No, you don't get to call it cold." So, yeah. so I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the West coast, uh, you know, got, a, got a few inches of snow. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Normally we're getting it and certainly Fargo usually gets it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One time Not- he called me and it was colder in Fargo than it was on Mars. And I was like, I don't really have anything to compare that, but that sounds crazy. So I'll buy it. You know? Yeah. Is that, is that like negative 70 degrees or negative 75? Yeah, it like was that? something like that. It was something crazy. Yeah. Man. Man, that's, that's insane. Yeah. Back in December, we had uh, like a windshield of negative uh, um, 50 uh, in some areas in Colorado. And Oh my. Yeah. I, I got, I think it was out there for like uh, about uh, five seconds. That was five seconds too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up in Nebraska, and then, you know, I moved here to get away from snow, so yeah, it's, I don't miss it. I'm, uh, <laughs> James, it's following you. It has found you. <laughs> it sounds like it's attacking everybody, so. Yeah, yeah it's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, when, when you got L.A. under blizzard warning. Come so on. weird. Yeah, so weird. <laughs> so, James, hey, it's yeah. great to have you on. It's, it's great to meet you. Uh, you know, you you and, and your partners have this amazing, uh, you know, podcast, uh, and, uh, you know, t- reviewing mu- movies and you guys are all writers. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about yourself, where you come from and, and how you got into writing and, and, and podcasting. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so I'm a horror author, screenwriter, editor, podcaster, you know, just everything, just, uh, Still making absolutely no money. So that's working out great. And uh, <laughs> stand true to my roots. Yeah. You know, uh, and then I'm also the uh, founder and director of Spirited Giving, which is a pop up yeah. horror themed fundraiser. Uh, yeah. In May of last year, we did it at the Stanley Hotel and we raised almost $10,000 for a local volunteer fire department. So yeah, that's cool. And then this year it will be in Louisville, Kentucky, which I've inevitably said wrong because if you don't live there, you can't say it correctly. And uh, that'll be October 19th. We'll have some horror authors doing readings and some other great stuff and raising some cash for local libraries. Wow, that's awesome. Um, As far as how I got into writing, I really don't remember. Like as far back as I can remember, I was like, I was that kid in the neighborhood that like forced my friends to put on plays and like, you know, like all I wanted to do was make movies and comic books and stuff. I still haven't made a comic book, but I've made short films and been hired to write a feature and released, uh, I don't know, four or five books. I don't keep track. They're just like children to me. Just they're out now. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) 
Go out to the road. Play. Right. Get out of here. <laughs> That's the no, same uh, as the resilience. <laughs> but yeah, so I I really don't remember. But as far as like professionally, uh, one day I gave a short story to a friend and they were like, hey, you got to publish this. And I thought that was nuts, you know, and then it got published. Uh, it's still one of my favorites. It's called Gossip Hounds of Sherry Town. Nice. It's about a mortician whose family dies and he basically kills another family to take their place in uh, in the graves so that the town won't question it, But right. you know, which makes no sense because who's digging up these graves? But uh, yeah, so... So that was my first, and then it just kind of kept going. Cool. I mostly self-publish my own stuff because I'm very impatient and can't wait a year and a half to five years to get it on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Well, you know, doing self-publishing too, like you're, you're marketing, you're, you're doing all that. Is, is it oh, yeah. like it, like on Amazon or, you know, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, they're usually they're all on Amazon. That's usually where I start just because the process is easy. And also, I just really like buying rich people rockets. So whatever I can do to help with that, you know. Uh, but, yeah, well, William Shatner needs to go someplace, right? Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So then there's other sites like uh, um, like Lulu or uh, Ingram Spark and. Uh, when you self-publish there, you know, it can go in Barnes and Noble or libraries or different stuff like that as well. So, so yeah, they're all over. That's, that's cool. You know, unlike Lulu, you know, going through the library, uh, does that still have to go through like some kind of, uh, juried or board process, you know, with, with getting in libraries or is that just, um, do you have to even deal with that? I'm actually not sure how that part works. If it does, they deal with all of it. So okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm not positive, but well, easy peasy for you. Yeah, exactly. That That's the key, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, whatever makes it easier. Um, yeah, and and yeah, who who gives a shit about uh, you know, uh putting more money in, in some uh rich man's, you know, cock rocket to get to right? the moon, right? Well, I just I keep thinking like one of these rockets has to go wrong, right? So then right. oh wait, did I say that? What I meant was <laughs> no, so <laughs> No, please don't. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I don't know. Um, and then podcasting, uh, yeah. we started doing cons and we always have a huge turnout at our panels. Right. Uh, we try to do, we do some educational ones, like we do horror as social commentary, which yeah. will bring me back to the podcast in a second. Yeah. Um, but we do like really fun audience interactive panels like we did kill mary shag universal monsters so like we give you frankenstein and you have to say why you would marry him kill him or fuck the hell out of him you know right and uh and we used to give you like the three choices like the way you play the game and that went yeah. pretty well but then one day we realized that if we just give you one choice and then let the audience come to the microphone and defend their reason then we just Ooh. became judges and it was way funnier and really crazy. Yeah. And so, so these panels that we do, they're just always full and, and that's not to just be cocky. It was just, it's such a power rush. It's like, Oh, people care what we say. And uh, my podcast partner, Donald Guillory and I, we were doing like advanced screenings of movies and we would literally just go to Dave and Buster's afterwards and talk about the movie and talk about the social commentary. And one day we were like, why are we not recording this and making millions of dollars? And and we got half of that right. We record. We do not have the millions of dollars, but we did just pass a million downloads, and that's pretty good too. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I caught that episode today, as as I mentioned uh, before we went live. Yeah, and then you know, and then the episode where you guys were reviewing Nope and mm -hmm. you know talking about the the social commentary on that. Mm -hmm. uh, the 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 panel sounds absolutely awesome. Uh, I know. Brett just chimed in, speaking of which, and uh, yeah, he's just like, hi, James, maybe a panel of or a live podcast or something uh, at COFO this year. So um, that might be yeah. something that, that we, we can, can make that happen. Yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of fun because, you know, what you just described, that would be hilarious. And, you know, uh, nothing's more fun than passing judgment over your audience. <laughs> yeah, and it's also just I'm really starting to lean into like audience participation panels. I was doing like 15 cons a year before the pandemic. Right. 
And even if you don't do as many as me, everybody knows you kind of get sick of just sitting there listening to people. It's one thing if it's Jeff Goldblum and he's telling Jeff Goldblum stories. Right. It's another if it's me telling you why a movie's good. That, that gets right. boring. And so I've just become a real fan of incorporating the audience as much as possible because you just it's a better energy. Everybody mm -hmm. has a great time. And I don't know, man, I'm having so much more fun at cons doing that than when we were just. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, when we, uh, you know, do our shows, you know, we're, we're all about like, you know, the creative activation and, you know, the audience, you know, getting involved as much as possible, kind of, you know, putting them, uh, at, at, at the center, you know, it's like, yeah, we, we've got our celebrity guests and they're amazing, but, mm -hmm. you know, if, if we can get like a creative projects going with our guests and the audience and, and oh, yeah. make something, yeah, yes. even if it's like a moment in time or, you know, some type of, you know, encapsulated, uh, you know, uh, projects, um, all the more better. And I think everybody leaves uh, a little bit, uh, you know, feeling more fulfilled and uh, hopefully making new friends. Right. Definitely. And like, you know, we, we just want audience members to talk about the great time they had versus what'd you do all day? I sat in a chair and listened to people, which is right. Okay, right. but yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 it's it's yeah for for me, I'm yeah, I'm more like Mister, you know, hop in there, participate, yep. um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's uh, yeah for me, that's that's so much more fun. I figured, yeah, you know, it's probably the same for a lot of people. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Another one we do is uh, horror authors against humanity, which is cards Ooh. against humanity, right. except we make the cards, so they're somehow even worse than what you get from cards against humanity, and then all horror themed, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with, with that, can you give us like an example of of like a card that somebody would pull? Sure. Yeah, sure. So, so you know, we have some safe ones that are funny, but they're they're still like just kind of there to even things out. So, like one of the answers might be the black guy who dies first, right? Mm, you know, yeah. just that just slight offensiveness. But then we have like uh, uh, using Chucky as a flashlight. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's awesome. Or okay. uh, the single most offensive card I've seen played when we do this was a. Uh, it was herpes that now identifies as them peas and the room went silent for like three seconds and then they busted up laughing. And I was like, right. I think that's the exact reaction you were going for, but <laughs> right. right. And the guy uh, who put, who, who made the card and played it just sat there just straight face staring at the audience. And it was amazing. <laughs> damn. So, yeah. Damn. You know, just, just crazy <laughs> stuff like that. And, and that was in Salt Lake, Utah. Oh. So yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. Who, are, who are amazingly huge horror fans? We didn't know that the first time we went. Yeah, and they're so knowledgeable and cool, and I don't know. It's just not what I expected. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, yeah, we, we kind of realized that too about like uh, Utah in general. There's, mm -hmm. I, I think you know, you're religiously Mormon controlled. You're going to have that, uh, you know, that that. Uh, massive population that's really into subcultures yep. you know, as a response. I think it's just a natural thing. Um, you know, it's, it's like going into like something like the Bible Belt or the Deep South, where you've you've got uh, you know just these massive religious controlling factions, and mm -hmm. of course, you know the the number you know those are the areas that have the number one porn downloads. Yep. You know, it's like duh, you're going to repress <laughs> stuff. People are going to, you know, do the opposite. Yep. And we're always going to just be drawn to whatever we're told we're not supposed to do. That's, that's right. just human nature. So that's right. That's that's why I still pee on my neighbor's bush. <laughs> I will fucking kill that thing. Someday. I, uh, I actually did a panel where I tried to convince people that Jason Voorhees is just the angel of death enforcing the commandments. So, <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, I'm sure you have a church group <laughs> behind that. that. That sounds reasonable. I think that you, you tell them that stuff. It's like, what? Okay. You, you, so, yeah. Oh, it's also, the, you know, the temptation of Christ part two. <laughs> like, great. It's a snuff film. I love You'll it. You'll love this part. He rises from the dead. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got a hockey mask. 
You skipped. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's been crazy. It's just so wow. much fun. Like cons are cool anyway. Yeah. Just because you're you're with people that like the stuff you like or like similar stuff for you know, people are just so excited to be there. I, just, I love the positivity of cons, not so much the uh, comments online before and after, but the actual in-person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, go, yeah. yeah, going to the horror conventions, like, uh, yeah, the people in person, right, mm -hmm. are just are so much more endearing and engaging and they're fans. They, they want to have a good time, but yep. they're, they're also incredibly supportive and, and you know, yeah. so open-minded and so open to, I, I don't get that same sensation when I go to a comic con. Uh, and yeah. I, uh, so many of my, my listeners and, and, you know, uh, YouTube watchers, I guess, uh, have, have heard me, you know, kind of chime in about this. It's like the comic cons, it's hot or cold, you know, and, and it doesn't matter the, the size of the convention, you know, you can go to a small one yeah. and it's, it's going to be cold. And then you can go to like out here, Denver comic con, or I guess it's called fan expo now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty lukewarm. Um, and it's, it's loud and obnoxious and it's like, man, if I wanted to do that, I just go to San Diego comic-con because it's <laughs> just loud and it's bright colors, you know, coming at yeah. you trying to kill you anyway. But, <laughs> but the, the horror shows are just so much sweeter, more endearing. People come oh, up yeah. to the table. Like, yeah, if you're a writer and a novelist, they're like, what are you doing? You know, tell me all about it. I'm interested, you know, and it's, and, and uh, yeah, not all of them are going to, you know, buy your thing, but they want to hear about it. Well, and I feel like even the guests, and, and I've, like, I went, I went to a casino with Tony Todd who played yes. Candyman, you know, so I've spent a lot of time around guests and like Kane Hodder, people like that, like they'll just chill at the bar and just hang out with you and you can just walk up and talk to them. And I go to, to major cons and I get it. Like you're an A-list celebrity. You're not just going to hang out with whoever, but it's just such a different vibe that you don't get anywhere. That's not a pure horror con. It's like, it feels like everybody that's been in horror movies, like legitimately, is so thankful and full of gratitude that people keep watching their stuff, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and they're so, so cool about giving back, whether it's like, like our, uh, our fundraiser, you know, like Kane Hodder donated a signed machete last year, you know? Cool. So whether it's something like that, or just taking the time to thank people for watching, I don't know, children of the corn 10, whichever one yeah. that was, but yeah. yeah, you know, like, I don't know. It's just a totally different vibe, like you said. So. Right. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the celebrities, you know, uh, even even like the like celebrity writers, the, you know, the um, comic book creators, you, know, you name it. Every every facet of that, it just seems like so much more approachable. Mm -hmm. um, and and like uh, even like uh, with like you know horror board games and role playing games oh, yeah. and, and video games. Again, same thing. It's just, I think it's something about the genre. I, I also find that the genre itself is just so accessible uh, for everybody, you know, even, yeah. even the lay person. And it's always an entry, uh, an entry point for you know, anything, you know, pop culture related um, mm -hmm. and, and a great conversation starter, great, you know, icebreaker. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think it's it's funny that it's still even you know as accessible as everything is still like that kind of looked down upon media. Yet twenty years from now, you're going to be talking about you know this horror movie that was made this year that came out you know next month versus you know the uh, the Oscar darling that took up swept up all the awards, yep. went to Sundance, went to Cannes. You know, and, yeah, yeah, that was an amazing film, but nobody talks about it now. Yep. I mean, it's crazy. Like I look at the films people talk about from the eighties or things like that. And you can't tell me anybody set out going chopping mall will forever be tied into, right. you know, no, nobody was thinking that they just made a movie and yeah. here we are, I don't know, 40 years later or something. And chatting about it. I still see people like, I see people in the wild who are wearing a chopping mall shirt and it's like, Oh, that's so weird. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I love it, but, but yeah. I don't see that with anything else. Nobody's wearing a Shawshank redemption shirt, even though it's my favorite movie of all time, you know? So, yeah, well, I, I did yesterday. You missed well, it. Damn it. Yeah. Sorry. See? 
Uh, and I was originally scheduled for yesterday. Damn it. I was so close. I know. If you were over <laughs> here, you know, you would have seen Tim Robbins all over my chest. That's busting out like busting out like the alien, but then both arms in the air. Yeah, yeah. It. It's like, oh, it's, that's a little <laughs> Jacob's laddering, you know, happening on my on my tummy. <laughs> that that sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have that effect on people. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's good. I, yeah, you might have the effect, but I, I, I am the result. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, James. You know, with a with the podcast, you guys are. You know, you you met up. I think over, um, you know, doing horror conventions, and yep. uh, you and your partners. Uh, you know, uh, live in Arizona and Mississippi. Um, what was the convention that you guys ultimately uh, met up? Uh, uh, yeah. So my podcast partner, Don, yeah. he used to live here in Phoenix. So we were at oh. Phoenix, uh, Comic-Con. It was at the time okay. Then it became like comic fest and now it's fan fusion. I think, I don't know. I feel like every couple of years, the name changes, Yeah. but, but yeah, so we were here and, uh, I was working in guest relations at the time. So like taking oh, care cool. of celebrities and stuff like that. And we were doing a, like a crossover event with the Arizona diamondbacks. And so we had some cosplayers come in and like, you know, meet kids at the events or things like that. And then in exchange, they gave us a nice suite up top with unlimited food. So I don't know if there was a game or not, but uh, <laughs> no, I missed the whole game. I was just very busy eating nachos. But, uh, <laughs> that is the neighborly thing to do. But yeah, so that's that's just where we hit it off and started hanging out a little bit, but not a ton. And then we did another event where uh, it was like laser tag and bowling and something else, basically for kids cool. to get them interested in Phoenix Fan Fusion Comic Con, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. And uh, and we were playing laser tag and both being shot by this group of kids, so we started teaming up. And then I guess we just stayed a team after that. So nice. We went to war together. No. Yeah. As, <laughs> that's where people bond the most. They also that's get right. The unfortunately, but yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Was, was that a, you know, after you know, a couple of uh, scenarios like that, was that when you know, was like, Hey, we should do a podcast where we were interesting you oh, know, yeah. talkers that, that talk about film and, and write a lot. No, I mean, it was probably a good seven years later, something like that. Um, and we just started doing panels at cons and people kept going, oh, I wish I wish you could do this more. Like, can you go to this con or this con? Like, because there's all these little cons around Phoenix. Right. right. And uh, and then we were just like, we should do a podcast. And I, I totally thought it would fail. So I only agreed to do 13 episodes. And I think now we're at 220, something nice. like that. Hats off to you. That's well, way to st stick with it. Cause you know, that, that kind of relationship and that kind of dedication, that, that's, that can be tough to come by. Well, and, and I feel like, uh, so 35 of those episodes are the Simpsons Treehouse of horror. And, and we decided, Oh, Hey, they're on their 31st one. We should yeah. do 31 days of these. And oh my God, if anything was going to break up podcasting partners or friends, don't do something for 31 days straight together. Cause oh my God. especially um, when it's not good, like, like the Simpsons Treehouse of horror, when you look back at it at my age, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 45 and, and we look back on these glorious, like few episode, few seasons, you know? Yeah. And then, then we thought that kept going for 31 years, but no, no, it did not. And, and so these, these treehouse episodes got really, really just boring and terrible. And we had nothing to talk about. And I think we were on the verge of all killing each other. And then they suddenly got good again. And we were like, Oh, okay. Things are fine. And, and then we kept going, but I, I feel like, that's the kind of thing that could break up a podcasting group. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have a feeling Simpsons in general could probably you know break up. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, at, at times, yeah, they're kind of the Yoko Ono of uh, of uh, you know, yeah, popular television. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, as as far as like Simpsons goes, like come episode seven after that, I, I kind of just tuned out. It's mm -hmm. just, 
the storylines just kind of started repeating themselves. And I mean, I mean you, you, it's not this just the Simpsons, but you, you get that with like certainly yeah. Family Guy. Like after, oh, yeah. after the, the first season, after they finally got renewed, you know, I was, I was bored again, you know, it's just like, yep. oh, um, you know, then I, then I went to family or American dad for two seasons. It's like, oh yeah, it's the same creator. Why did I expect <laughs> anything new? But, and even Futurama kind of does that. It's good for a while and then it hits this really boring part yeah. and then there's some good stuff, but you know, I, I, it's weird. I think, I think they've, to me, they've got a little bit better shelf life and, and I think they just got renewed yet again oh wow for i don't know if it was it's another run on hulu or another platform i don't know um i'll probably watch a few episodes and then you know fade fade out because i my add is just too bad yep (laughs) i know that feeling yeah yeah but uh um so yeah oh uh ls strange just uh um said also south park I, oh yeah yeah i i think south park is the exception for me i yeah even when it's bad it's still good uh for me that's that's one i have no problem beating myself up over and like there's there was that the presidential season where you know it was the 2016 election or whatever and god that was such a terrible season but uh I, I, I stuck through it and it still had its rewards, but I have this theory with South park yeah. that like, because of the way they make animation versus everyone else, right. they can stay topical yeah. and, and the jokes aren't from a year and a half ago, right. you know, or, or with the Simpsons, they're not from 10 years ago, yep. but yeah. So <laughs> it just, it feels better. And I feel like it doesn't uh, wear off as quickly at all. No, no, it's yeah, yeah. They're they're able to keep it pretty fresh. I mean, hell, if you can knock out a whole episode in a week, good God! But it's crazy, I, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine they have incredibly high turnover, you know, because of that. Um, you know, I, I I guess it's I, I you know I hate to say this, but I guess that's fine because the quality of the show I think is a little bit higher than you know because they're topical. But yep. Anyway. Um, yeah, you know, we, before we went live, we were talking about mm-hmm. you know your your love of the you know uh, Pablo Escobar. And oh yeah, the whole... we're gonna answer Brett's question here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me bring that up. <laughs> so, uh, well, Brett set this up pretty nicely. Wow, uh, what's what's crazy is I watched Shawshank last night for the first time. Uh, yes, it was outstanding. What's your newest? Fave, spell that out, Brett. Come on, favorite, favorite. Um, when I say favorite, I sound no. stupid. And I gotta read these out loud because you know. Well, you know. Anyway, um, it helps with my literacy. Um, but uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, obviously Pablo Escobar, and you know, hopefully that sets it up for the audience a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Like, uh. I- the best way I can explain this is I love campy. Yeah. I love utterly insane kills. I love creature features. Yes. And and I any of my books, if you look at them, they come down to ridiculous premise with deeper thought, right? And uh, and I don't know that Cocaine Bear delivers on the deeper thought part, but that's that's just where I am. Those are that's what I'm looking for. Right. So when you give me a bear on cocaine randomly killing people i'm in and uh and i don't think this ruins the movie in any way but it it just goes after people that like have coke on them like if somebody handled the package and it sprays them right so like there was even it even made sense for a creature feature which is unheard of and uh but it's just it's such a ball of laughs i was dying at everything uh i don't think i stopped laughing the whole movie even when no one else in the theater was laughing so (laughs) cocaine bear is definitely my favorite of the newest films i've seen yeah cool that's uh that's that's awesome um yeah with 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 that you know you you mentioned you like uh, you know campy films and stuff like uh you know horror comedies that sort of thing uh you know past that like Obviously, that's on everybody's you know zeitgeist because that's the new thing that that came out. But when it comes to like like 
kind of, uh, you know, comfort campy movies, what's your go-to? It depends on the season. Anna and the Apocalypse is one of my absolute go-tos. Um, it's a Christmas zombie musical. Yeah. Yeah. And so right there, just what the hell were they thinking? Right. And then it's amazing. And, and I would argue that they put more work into the songs that they sing than most musicals I've ever seen. Yeah. They're, they're so perfect and just not what I expected going into a musical horror movie at all. Right. I was expecting, I was expecting trauma, nothing against right. trauma. I love trauma. Uh, Poultry Geist is one of my favorite movies ever, which I was about to say as well. Yes. Uh, I literally, I can't eat chicken without looking at my wife and going, I know it's bad for me, but I love the skin. And, and after, you know, like 12 years or something, she just hates me so much for that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, so those, those two are definitely uh, my go-tos. If I'm going for just like a, a slasher kind of feel, um, this will get me killed. But the, uh, the Friday the 13th reboot, I love because Whoa. it's like watching four movies at once because they took all these pieces from them. And, uh, and I just really like the kills in it. There's a lot of it that doesn't make sense, but it's know. almost like the greatest hits. Yeah, kind of. And then when we did the episode on our podcast, we talked about how the movie's really just Jason protecting his weed. He has, <laughs> <laughs> it's this giant marijuana farm and Jason's out there. So I figure this must be how Jason gets money. Yeah. This is, uh, this is what's important to him. They came, they messed with the weed. He killed them all. So that's yep. just fun in itself. Uh, and, and it came out, you know, ju just before it started becoming legal in places like Colorado. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, God, the other that I could watch, I don't even know how many times I've seen them. I'm a huge Saw fanatic. Ooh, okay. I, uh, I, I don't claim Saw 3D as part of anything. But outside okay. of that, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And I think it's uh, one of the few places where... You know when sequels come out, how yeah. they just, they don't care. They just want to make sequels and make money. Yeah. And for some reason, the Saw writers tried to make the overall story make sense, like to its detriment. Like it's so yeah. heavy and so twisted. None of it could work, you know, but like, like six movies in, they're still like trying to pull something from movie one and be like, that's why that happened. Oh, and so that's just no. fascinating to me from a writing point of view. Like, why are you putting this much work into it? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, I, I'd have to say that I've never really been a, a Saw fan. I, I always liked the premise of the first one that James mm -hmm. Wan did, and yeah, I, I just thought the execution was just like, oh my god, I can, I can see, you know, Carrie Elway's, uh, you know, you know, cut off hand sticking through the sleeve. It's like you can see the knuckle imprint. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> Like I, I get, I get that you had a small budget and you have to use, you know, probably like the first take, but couldn't you have gotten a second take? <laughs> so, yes, um, I always wonder about that. Yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, I guess all the money went into the named actors as opposed to, you know, the the approach. But yeah, oh well, uh, you know, I I digress. Um, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned too that uh, you know with with yeah, your books coming out um you're, you're working uh, you know, off camera you were mentioning that you're, you're currently um editing a um uh, a collection of short stories yeah. all written by you right yes yes yeah. nice yeah can you tell us a little bit about about that and what we can expect yeah um so this is uh 13 short stories that have literally nothing to do with each other uh, one of them, I'm not even sure is horror adjacent, let alone horror. Um, oh. they were just, they're just like the stories that I've written that I love. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's no like comprehensive anything to it, um, I just, I really wanted to put them out. And also I just, I wanted something at con because it's really hard. Like people are like, Oh, what have you written? And you tell them about a short story or whatever. And I don't, I don't have it with me. I can't print it out for you here, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it just, it was like an easy way to put it all together. And so I'm calling it random shit from the bowels of my brain because, you know, nothing comes together. It all just pushed out wherever it wanted. So there you go. 
<laughs> the, the random shit that came out from my brain. That's that's yep. great. Yeah, that yes. that sounds awesome. <laughs> Uh, another way of, you know, uh, uh, James Sabata presents the random shit. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> that should be pretty, off, uh, pretty awesome. When can people uh, expect to, to pick that up from you? I'm hoping to have it out in July. Um, okay. I'm not quite sure we'll make that, but probably yeah. July or August. Nice. Yeah. Earlier you, you were, uh, you know, showcasing or trying to showcase the, yeah, your, um, uh, cover for, uh, you know, fat camp. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah. So, uh, fat camp came out in 2018. It was my first novel. Um, it's basically a fit camp for overweight teenage boys and a crazed maniac going around slaughtering them all. Uh, on the one hand, it's, it's exactly what I was talking about earlier. It's a ridiculous setting with a way deeper story. And it's a lot about grief and just everything you carry with you, your emotional baggage on top of lack of confidence or whatever else. And so, so yeah, it's in a fit camp for overweight teenage boys, but it's a lot about grief and that kind of stuff. But then the other side of that is it's also just straight eighties B movies that I loved. So like we still do like running boob jiggle scenes. They're just very different because they're boys group shower scenes don't have the same appeal apparently, right. you know, but, uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, there, there's some decent kills, you know? So. Yeah. That, that sounds, uh, you know, pretty interesting that you were able to, you know, uh, interject, uh, or insert like, um, you know, some of those, uh, like eighties, uh, horror tropes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like there's like one part, like there's, I counted once because my screenplay manager made me count. And I think there were 87 references to other horror films, but a lot of them are just like quick little tiny things, you know, yeah. like, uh, like somebody asks this main character, which cabin he lives in. He says, it's the last cabin on the left, you know, just like these like little quick one liners. Right. Then there's like a scene where one of the characters just lists like every motivation that anyone ever had in B movie history and it, it's so ridiculous because he's somebody's like why is the killer doing this and he's like oh well here's some possible reasons and then he's like you know his mom was in a psych hospital and the nurse did something you know like just these horrible things that that we just loved growing up and so i throw them in just to be ridiculous yeah oh that's that's fun they uh you know that i think that's a, the the beauty of uh, you know just writing being able to create your own stuff you know, you throw in the stuff that you love and the stuff that you, you also haven't seen. Um, mm -hmm. I can't think of a, you know, one, I can't think of a horror movie that has occurred at a fat camp, but it seems like an obvious choice. It kind of does. Yeah. I, I thought it was weird. Um, I've heard of one other person that was working on a story like it, but never finished it. So hmm. um, I think I want to say there's a short story but it's it's more like like real grief and real trauma and right. it's a, a woman like dealing with having to be there and her feelings and that kind of stuff and i just i really wanted to walk the line more of just how i was growing up because i was overweight and i was picked on all the time and yeah. you develop that i'll make fun of myself or or you just learn to live with it or you also realize that momentum is important and when a big guy runs into you it hurts you know, so, yeah. so just using all of that and then kind of making fun of it and kind of, I don't know, right. just wanting right. to sucker people in to where they thought it was ridiculous and easy. And then they had to deal with the grief stuff instead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> with, with writing, uh, you know, a book like that and dealing with, with grief, you know, did you, as, as the writer, um, you know, kind of find it also like therapeutic for yourself? Oh yeah. Um, my my buddy Vincent Vanacaba is a writer and he's so sick of hearing me say this, but everything I write is therapy. Uh, I'm not a person that can just crank out a book to have a new book this week. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the guy who even releases something every year because everything I write is therapy on some level for me. Okay. Uh, Fat Camp is probably the biggest because I was overweight growing up. I was picked on 
and he's dealing with the death of his father. And my dad died when I was 23, you know, like, so I'm like five years older than the main character, but it's all very intertwined and it really helped me a lot. Um, another one of my books, the most recent release is called Who Dunner, and it is a raunchy murder mystery where the main character, it, it's a college, and yeah. the main character hooks up with like the, the most promiscuous woman on campus. Okay. And soon she soon after that she's dead so he thinks he's going to be a suspect mm. and he sets out to solve the case when in reality she slept with everyone in town and everyone wanted to kill her so he's not on the radar at all, right? But uh I I took some swings at my ex-girlfriend in it and I'm talking like my my last girlfriend before I met my wife, right? Yeah. Uh so I always call them like the last the last wrong one. Maybe okay. I'll use that as a title one day. I don't yeah. know. But I feel like everybody has the last wrong one when they're in a relationship. But whether that lasts or not, and they become the, the last wrong one. But uh, there's always and, that. And, right. And it was weird. Like before writing this book, I I thought about my ex a lot or I thought about like just, just different fights we had or just different stupid yeah. shit. Right. And I wrote the book and it was like, she was just exercised from my life. Like, Oh, okay. And it's so, and it's not her, you know, it's just yeah. like these little, they're, they're literally shots. No one else would understand, you know? And, uh, and I don't know, it's just weird how that works, how just, yeah. it's like you put it somewhere else, you know? And yeah. And it's, I think that's kind of my therapy with my books. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing that, you know, the kind of things that we, hang on to and and you know we we um you know we we project on on to other people and yeah they were probably there during that and yeah they probably you know caused it but uh but then you know we just gotta you know realize hey you know at some point we gotta let this negativity go we gotta you know it's just it's bad energy to have around so yeah i, I guess that plays more into you know the, the therapy of of writing um, and, and going through that process and reliving it. And then, you know, hopefully it, you know, you know, it, it uh, opens up uh, a new perspective, you know, for, for you, not only as a writer, but, you know, a human being. Um, I know, you know, writing can be, you know, kind of therapeutic for, for me too. Um, but, uh, you know, when it's writing comics, it's pretty easy. Okay. This happens, draw that. And then, and then the dialogue and stuff. And it's like, okay, next page. <laughs> That's usually the extent of it. Very deep shit. Very deep shit. It all works yeah. on some level. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's no depth to my shallowness. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but uh, so you, you've, you've got fat camp and, and then um, you, you've, you've got uh, yeah. Who Dunner. Mm -hmm. um which one of those is going to be made into the movie first probably fat camp nice <laughs> i was gonna say yeah i mean yeah of course you know, we we just touched up on that it's like yeah this this sounds like you know this should be a, a film i um, agree Painting. Yeah. No, uh... <laughs> yeah. well, you, no, I, um i've been talking to a producer for a couple of years covid heavily interfered and I, I know he doesn't mind me saying this because they're actively looking for people to help fund the movie. Cool. So, so fat camps definitely would be a way higher chance of being made. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Did you by chance write the, the screenplay? I know I, I know did get some ba uh, background in that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I changed the kills because in the book it was more realistic level, you know, it was like, cutting throats and stabbing people and that kind of thing. Yeah. And in the film, I wanted to go for iconic, insane deaths, you know? So like, uh, mm. like one of them, there's a, a kid that purges. Right. And so the killer mm. grabs him and puts a toilet snake down his throat oh. and then begins to twist. Oh. And, and so, ah. so yeah, I want it made just for that scene. Like, even if that's just the, the scene we make to yeah. show people to get funding, you know, like, I just want to see that scene. Yeah. yeah I, well, I'm picturing it in my head and, and uh, I'm thinking, it's like, well, clog, uh, you know, take care of it, and, you know now, and then dump water down through them. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yep. I, I've got that vivid imagination on that one. It's like, 
<laughs> is your killer by by chance just a plumber you know in this he's not but uh yeah if he is you know, don't say anything i don't want you to oh no it. no no i would i would never say enough to spoil it but it's funny right. because uh the killer always wears a sweatshirt with cut off sleeves Oh, and okay. and that's because I was a New York Jets fan and I wanted Bill Belichick to be the terrible person that he is. And so I modeled the killer after the New England Patriots coach. <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. The identity uh, doesn't match up. Just that. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in real life, you know, most coaches are probably secretly serial killers, you know, they're, <laughs> they're certainly sociopaths. It's like exactly. it's just a, a couple steps and a, a few, you know, dead animals away from, you know, going full serial killer. It's like, oh, geez. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned too, like um, uh, before we went live that, uh, you know, you had uh, produced uh, some short films, you know, can you tell us about those experiences? Yeah. Um, so I wrote the films and then they were bought by the, uh, oh, okay. Like uh, production companies that made them. Um, so I don't know if they still do it, but mall of America used to have a horror film fest every year around Halloween and the, the production company that wanted to make it was in Minneapolis. And he found one of my short stories in uncle John's bathroom reader there. They had like a a fiction thing. So I entered and they published one of my stories and he found that and he wanted to make it into a film. Cool. And every time he went to film it, something terrible would happen. Like I, Ooh. I, I don't remember the details exactly. This has been several years, but I think like somebody in his family died at one point and oh. yeah. You know, so things just always got put off. And so one day he was like, look, I don't have time for this, but if you want to enter, we could just like, if you want to write something else. Well, so I wrote this short film and, and this is all going somewhere. I swear. Yeah. Uh, that's called this stays with the house. And this stays with the house is really based on my house. When we moved in here in like you come in the front door and there's a closet to your left. And in that closet, there's a man's three piece suit with a piece of painter tape on it where someone scribbled. This came with the house. It can stay here. And I have lived here for 13 years and I've never touched this, this thing. I will not touch this thing. I don't let people who come over touch it. I'm like, I'm not even superstitious, but don't just don't push it. Just yeah. <laughs> no reason to try. Wow. And, and so I had been telling him the story about that. And then he's like, that's it. That's a one location short film. That's easy. And we went on and won, I don't know, something like six awards that night at the Mall of America Film Fest thing. And, uh, and the one I care about was audience choice. We won audience yeah. choice. Nice. Anytime you win audience choice, that's the one you got to push because that's the one that matters. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. That 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 sounds that sounds absolutely amazing, and, and it's also you know autobiographical. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Wow, that's that's so cool. Uh, yeah, James, we've just got a few more minutes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, can you tell the the, the people out there, uh, you know, where uh, they can go to uh, you know purchase your your books and your stories? Yeah, sure. If you just go to jamessabata.com, pretty easy. Um, or just look up James Sabata on Amazon. They will definitely be there. Um, those are the easiest ways. Any convention I'm at is good, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's basically it. Um, most of my stuff is at jamessabata.com or our podcast is thenecronama.com which yeah. was a great idea in writing and not so much saying it out loud for. Yeah. I think, now. I think I fucked that up, uh, you know, early on. When Nobody, I introduced, yeah. You, you put the though, most people just put www.necronama.com and that goes to this whole different website, but the guy who owns it doesn't use it. So I tried at one point to buy it from him just so yeah. that it would, you know, wouldn't sell it to me. No, yeah. So I, I don't know what they're doing with it. It's probably very dangerous and you'll be sucked into your screen or something. Well, yeah, at least, right? You know, <laughs> at least there's some level of interaction. And then you you find yourself in this, oh, it's a real life role-playing game. Great. Yeah, it's it suddenly it turns into saw. <laughs> let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. Let's let's hope not. That's that's never that never ends well. And it's you know, the writing can be convoluted. 
Oh, James, it was an absolute pleasure, you know, having you on the show and, and learning more about you and, and, and your work and, uh, you know, everything that, that you do. I, I greatly appreciate it. And thank you for, for being so generous with your time. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to come to the con in September. It's going to be awesome. So yes, yes, it will. It'll be great <laughs> to see you there. It'll be, it'll be a lot more fun to have you do a panel where you get to pass judgments on the audience. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Will you, uh, you know, uh, yeah, have sex or marry Frankenstein's monster? Oh, so the answer to that, if you're ever asked, um, just definitely have sex with him because yeah. he's, he can change out his body parts and you can see how that could work out. So, wow. Yeah, I, I, I hear Velcro is very <laughs> versatile. Oh, my. <laughs> you win this round. <laughs> Oh, I was just trying to support you, buddy. I wasn't trying to one-up you. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. We're, 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 uh, we're getting dirty. I love it. Um, James, I, I can't wait to, to meet you in person, but it was, it was great chatting with you digitally. Uh, hang out for a few minutes while we sign off, okay? Yeah. All right. And again, thanks so much for being so generous with your time and, uh, and, and uh, you know, teaching us so much of what James Abada does. Thank you. Uh, and to everybody that tuned in, you know, thanks so much for, for tuning in and joining us this week. And of course, uh, to our sponsors, to uh, Mutiny Information Cafe. If you're going to start a revolution, make sure you're caffeinated. And of course, our friends at Hellfire Entertainment. Thanks for rebroadcasting us on your social media. And uh, to Groovy TV. And of course, to Alien Donut Films and Angela Joseph Productions, to, to Bill and Angela over there, and to my producers, uh, Lily Fisher and Amanda Armstrong and Stefan Santa Cruz. Thanks for putting up with my shit. And uh, to everybody out there, hey, you know, have a have a good night. Uh, you know, look out for each other, help each other out during tough times, and uh, you know, stay spooky. Until next time, take it easy, everybody. We'll. Make sure to check out our Facebook and website for the updates on Colorado Festival of Horror, September 15th through the 17th.